This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jarecki, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Still a little ways away from the starts of the regular season, but, gentlemen, we do actually have football activity. The rookie minicamp just completed. Phase two continues now with the rookies and veterans. And then one week from now, first week of OTAs, and then, of course, minicamp, then a bit of a break before training camp begins. But we're actually going to be able to see some things as opposed to just think or predict what might happen with this Cardinals team in 2022. As we say good morning here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Before though we discuss the rookies and their first taste of life in the NFL. Gentlemen we actually have the 2022 regular season scheduled to discuss. MJ it's kind of blown up. We know the teams, we know the locations, we just didn't know the order. And kudos to the National Football League. They have turned this not into a one-day event, but a week-long event. But now we do know the 17 games over 18 weeks. And I think really what sticks out is the Cardinals got four primetime games, uh, you know, a couple Monday night games. Uh, you know, and then obviously, you know, when Hop comes back, it'll be a short week. They host the Saints on a Thursday night. You know, I, I like the fact that they're opening up against the Chiefs. You know, last year they opened up against the Titans, and they were projected to be, uh, you know, a Super Bowl team. They're we're a one number one seed, and we'll see how much you know they miss Tyreek Hill. And then you know they play the Raiders in Week Two. Um, a lot of respect uh, across the board there. So, and then you really got if you know we're going to talk about Hop his first six uh, the first games he misses but there's a there's a point in the schedule where you're going to have to stack some wins and the the good news is they're not on the road for consecutive weeks the bye week you know you never know when that comes because it's based on injury but for the most part um, it's a difficult schedule because just of the quarterbacks they're going to face. First two weeks, Chiefs, Raiders, bye week comes not until the first week of December, but you do have four primetime games, which is a nod with this networks believe the Cardinals can be here in 2022. But when you look at this schedule, Kyle, what stands out to you when you heard about it, when you saw it, where did your eyes immediately go to? Yeah, obviously the opener is tough against the Chiefs. Um, it, you know, with the talent they have on that roster, with the coaching staff, with uh, their recent history and in, in regular season and playoff success. Um, and then, you know, it's no easier week two going to Las Vegas. They've uh, assembled talent, um, and that's going to be a tough matchup. And then you got the Super Bowl champs, so your first three are tough. And, uh, you know, Mike is right. You don't look at this schedule and say this. There, there's a three, four-game stretch here where um, they're going to stack wins. It's, it's a good mix. Um, and quite honestly, bring it, right? I mean, this team has taken the steps from five wins to eight wins to 11 wins in the regular season to, um, you know, where where should they be this season? You want to take that next step. So let's see where we're at right from the beginning. 
Um, you know, and at different points in my career, when the schedule came out, I looked at different things. Um, you know, early on, it was just put a football down and I want to play. And as you go, you develop a routine. And um, actually, later on in my career, I, I didn't like primetime games. You know, my body got used to a certain clock and, and I had to know what it took to recover from a Sunday to the next Sunday. And then you start sprinkling in Thursdays and Mondays and uh, things like that. I didn't love playing in later in my career because it was all about what can I do to help my team win um, you know the bye comes late um, but with this team and where this next step is they're hopefully going to make a long playoff run so you've got a Thursday night game after seven so you get a mini bye after a home Thursday night game and then you get a bye late in the season and hopefully that should give this team some rest, get rejuvenated. You know, one of the things about this roster with the 90 we have now, this is the oldest roster in the NFL. So having that by late, getting an opportunity to get your legs back, refresh, and make a push for that late season run and hopefully a run deep into the playoffs, I think it sets up well for this team. You're exactly right. Dan Campbell, uh, of course, they play on Thanksgiving, but they don't have any primetime games. He said, I prefer to play at 1, one o'clock in the afternoon. He said, you, obviously, when you're traveling, you get back, um, you watch the film, and you're ready for next week. You know, where if you play in a late game and, and you're on the West Coast and you got to travel east, you don't get home till 3 or 4. So he said the same thing. Yeah, obviously, you know, if you win more games, they'll get more primetime games. And, but he, he totally agreed with you. He said, I'd rather play at 1 o'clock every single week when it comes to you know, the schedule. Three of those primetime games, two on Monday night and then the Sunday night game against the Buccaneers on Christmas night, but three of those games in a six-week period. So maybe that does mitigate your schedule as far as what you were talking about, Kyle. Like you get used to a routine while for a six-week stretch from November 21st to December 25th, you kind of know that you're going to have to adjust a little bit. And it's not, hey, we've got a game here in September and then another one in October, and they're not spread out. So maybe having a condensed might help a little bit yeah yeah and and you know it's it's you know today's game is different players adjust um you know i i think one of the hardest things too is um you you get used to certain things right you have a few injuries you play a thursday night game and and you know you come in and say okay this week because of our situation because the game we just played we're gonna have walkthroughs for the entire week it's hard to ramp it up again later in the season those are things that are tough to do but listen these are professional athletes. Um, you know, sports science is completely different now than it was when I played. Um, you know, we didn't have people that, you know, had it down to a science about when you should be eating, what types of foods you should be eating, um, what type of rest you should have, what what true recovery looks like. And so these players will be ready. Um, you know, and again, um, I, I think it's, it's, it's a good schedule because it's a good mix of um, there's tough games mixed in with potentially winnable games. I mean, all of this right now, we're looking at a sheet of paper and, and deciding which games are going to be tough and which ones are going to be winnable. And we have no idea because every year there's there's surprises. Great teams from one season can be terrible the next, and, and it's always difficult to tell. But what it looks like is it's, it's a good mix. Um, you know, it doesn't look like there's a chunk, again, where – oh, man, we're going to have a three-game losing streak coming out of this stretch, or we're going to have a three-game winning streak coming out of this stretch. It's uh, it's all up in the air right now. Yeah, and really, you know, the only back-to-back -back games on the road would be in week 17 and 18 at Atlanta and San Francisco. And I guess, you know, uh, they will play the Rams on the road, and then they'll play in Mexico City. 
Um, it's interesting, though, the Cardinals get a bye week, and then they don't play until the following Monday. You would think that, you know, that's a long time in between, so hopefully rest will, will go a long way there. Um, but, again, there's not like three consecutive road games. Um, usually if you, when you go to the East Coast, you can recommend that if you have back-to-back games there, you'll stay there for two weeks, but that's not the case here. Two early kickoffs, one at 10 a.m., another one at 11 a.m., but, of course, it all begins week one, September 11th, 125 on CBS, the Kansas City Chiefs in town. Second straight year, the Cardinals opening against a strong AFC team, but, of course, the storylines here – Kingsbury Mahomes, Kyler Mahomes. How about the tight end, Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey? Head coach Cliff Kingsbury discussed that week one matchup late last week. Yeah, I was really thankful to the schedule makers for giving us a young quarterback that hadn't quite found his way in the league just yet, you know, still trying to figure it out. So, um, no, it's it'll be fun. He sent me, like, the little eye emoji before it even came out. Um so he'll be revved up. We'll definitely have some Texas Tech fans tuning into that one, I'm sure. Last year it was at Tennessee, and all the discussion all offseason, Kyle, was, all right, here you go. You got the Titans right out of the gate. If that doesn't get your attention in May, June, and July, and August, nothing will. Well, history's repeating itself with the Kansas City Chiefs. Different story, though, is now you got that game at home. I love it. I, I love you know the perception of we've got a really tough game week one it sets the tone for training camp i mean if if you're potentially tough game the game you're looking forward to is week three um you know training camp has a different feel uh, but there's a sense of urgency. There's, um, it, you know, while we don't know what Kansas City Chiefs look like without Tyreek Hill, it may be a little bit different. We, we do know that, um, you know, the offense is tough to prepare for um, and that they do have weapons. And, and, and the guy they have under center has the potential to have um, put up crazy stats, have have big numbers and, and is, is, you know, one of the best players in the NFL. So, um, it, you know, it, it really sets the tone for training camp. We need to get ready every single day. We can't waste a single minute. Um, we need to have the ramp up done properly so that we're ready for week one. And, again, looking at recent history, that's exactly what they did last year. So you can expect that the Titans will take game one seriously and they'll be ready and they'll give Kansas City Chiefs all they can handle. I mean, we just talked, remember going into the game, the matchups. you got Julio Jones. you got A.J. Brown. you know, you got Derrick Henry. you got to stop the run. And Vance said he literally, you know, I'm sure they look ahead in the first four weeks of the season, but Vance spent months on that game plan, and the Cardinals thumped them. So, again, it's Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure it's going to be a high-scoring game who has the ball at the end. Um, But I do think just coming out of the gate, and I I couldn't agree more with you, set the tone for the entire season, let alone the first month of the season. But uh, they'll have plenty of time to try to figure it out and get a game plan. Four primetime games again. Let's go over them. Week 7 against the Saints. That's the Thursday night matchup on Amazon Prime Video. And then the next one doesn't come until November 21st, week 11, at home against the Fort. Excuse me, that's Nutrisite. That's the Mexico City game, Monday night football on November 21st. And then Monday night football again, week 14, December 12th, a home game against the Patriots. And then your final primetime game, Week 16, Christmas night against the Buccaneers, Sunday night football. So three of the four games all at home. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury. It's awesome. I mean, you can't ask for, to me, a better setup when you look at some of those games. First one, get a team like the Chiefs to see where you're at. Uh, Play Bill Belichick on Monday night. 
play Tom Brady on Christmas. I mean, there's some some big time games. Go to Mexico City, play a rival. I mean, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And um, AFC West, you know, lining up with them this year with getting Russell is, is a challenge. But anytime you look at an NFL schedule, it's not like you can go down and pick up a bunch of wins. You know, they're all tough and everybody's facing kind of the same deal. You mentioned Russell Wilson. That will be week 15 at the Denver Broncos, December 18th. And that begins a stretch of three of the Cardinals' last four games on the road. We talk about how the season begins, how the season finishes. After that bye week, Kyle, there's a five-game sprint to the finish line with three of those games on the road. Just one division game as well, and that would be week 18 at the 49ers. Yeah, bring it, right? I mean, again, looking at recent history, last season this team was fantastic on the road. One, You know, you could almost pencil in a win when they um, boarded the airplane to travel to another city. So, um, you know, it's one of the things, um, you know, the, with under Cliff Kingsbury, this team has exercised a lot of demons, and one of them is road woes. Um, this team plays well on the road; they prepare well, um, and so um, you know I don't have an issue with playing on the road late in the season. And and you know hopefully again you can build a cushion, you can get some wins early on. Um, but you know I think every Cardinals fan is looking for a strong finish this year to get some um, momentum heading into a playoff run instead of kind of backing your way into the playoffs and and hoping for what's best. Lost four of five to end last season. You mentioned on the road, Cardinals, no team better on the road than the Arizona Cardinals last season, eight and one. Different story at home, three and five. In fact, they ended last season with five straight losses at State Farm Stadium, but turn the page, hopefully 2022 brings a different outcome. Just getting started here on this Wednesday. The Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. So the schedule is out. The rookies are in town. They hit the field for the first time last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll discuss those rookies, all eight draft picks, seven of whom have signed on the line that is dotted. We'll discuss that all. Craig Rio, Lukov, Enibosh, and Mike Jarecki here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. The Arizona Cardinals select Trey McBride, Cameron Thomas, MyJ Sanders. Trey McBride, the pickup. Oh, collapses, and down he goes. Throws Colorado State into traffic, nearly picked. And then McBride with a catch on the sideline. Flung down by Cameron Thomas. Nothing hurt on this one either. Cam Thomas. Big hit from MyJ Sanders. Oh, it's a three. Colorado State's got themselves a first down to try. He's going to score a touchdown for Colorado State on the fake punt. Just some of what Trey McBride, Cameron Thomas, and my Jay Sanders did in their college careers. Now, what is in store for them here with the Arizona Cardinals? As we welcome you back here, the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rio, Luke Alvandenbosch, and Mike Jarecki. Rookies on the field this past weekend, just rookies, some undrafted free agents, some trial guys as well. But now the rookies and veterans enjoying time on the field together this week and OTAs next week. So our first look at this eight-member draft class, which, by the way, as I teased, seven 
of those draft picks have signed. My Jay Sanders, the latest earlier on Wednesday, Cameron Thomas remains unsigned, and that's just a matter of time before that deal gets done. But let's talk about Trey McBride, six foot four, two forty six. MJ, you were out there on Friday during the open portion of practice, and uh, I'll say this: uh, I said it on Cardinals Cover Two. A little small, but he was standing next to a six six guy, so. He did look very fluid out there as far as running routes. Did not drop a single ball that I saw during the open portion, but Trey McBride, his first steps in the NFL. Listed at what, 6'3", 245? 6'4", 246. 246. So, like we mentioned on Cards Cover 2, he'll fill out. I remember when Gronk came out, he wasn't as big as he is when he got into his second or third year. Yeah, I mean, very fluid catching the ball. You could see when he catches it, he's already t- turning up the field. Soft hands. Um, you know, it's it's just a matter of him learning the offense, obviously learning from Zach Ertz. And, you know, he's going to have a role. I got to think in that first six weeks without a hop, you know, when it comes to 12 personnel, um, I think they can use him as an H-back, um, try to get him in motion. Um, he's going to have to block some outside backers that weigh 250 pounds or 260. So, no, everything I, uh, you see from him, he's he's a hard worker. You know, he's running around, he's learning. So, I think he's got a bright future. It's just going to take some time. Well, I remember what Kingsbury told McBride on draft night: "Quote, get ready to play. There ain't no red shirting. All right." So McBride expected to come in, and whether that's initially on special teams, Kyle, or maybe special teams and on offense, depending on the health and status of Max Williams, but there is a concerted effort. You drafted him for a reason in the second round. There were some edge rushers available. There were some offensive linemen available, so you don't draft someone just to sit him for just special teams. So I do expect to see McBride on the football field early and often. Yeah, um, you know, watching Flight Plan, which if you haven't watched the latest Flight Plan, I I recommend it. Um, I love seeing how things go down um, in the draft room and the conversations. Like last time I was on, I I said probably the biggest surprise was that Trey McBride was still there at 55. And I think Coach Kingsbury was equally as surprised because they kept saying, you know, if he's there, should we take him? If he's there, should we take him? Are we going to stick to our board? And that's exactly what they did. Um, with, With several of these picks, they just drafted good football players. And that that's what makes your franchise sustainably good. Um, you're not reaching to fill a hole with a guy that has, you know, some question marks behind his name. You're drafting certainties. You're drafting guys that have done it, guys that that will fit into your system, but guys that you have ranked high for a reason. And this this you know Trey McBride is is a football player. He can block. He can catch. He can run routes. And he is you know one of the first things uh, one of the, somebody asked in the room um, when they were discussing him is they said it, was he a captain? They said three time captain. I don't even know how you become a captain as a sophomore in college. I mean that shows the type of leader he is and the type of respect he has and the type of player he is. And and you know again. Um, you know, it, it was everybody was kind of baffled at the pick, um, but I love that they're just they're picking best players, they're picking football players. I mean, guys that love the game, guys that are going to be great for your locker room, and will contribute any way possible. And um, you know, he didn't flinch when they said you're going to have to make your way on teams. He's a guy that wants to contribute and help this team win any way he can. The nation's best. Tied in, unanimous first-team All-American, first-team All-Mountain West, and won the John Mackey Award, given to the nation's best tight end. His head coach now with the Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, and what he likes about McBride. 
He's a smooth route runner. You know, we won't know until he puts the pads on. We watch the film. We love the physicality on tape, but uh, this is a different level. But as far as running routes, uh, great athlete, you know, three sports star in high school. Um, so really has a, a ease about the way he runs routes and does things. Over 1,100 receiving yards six times last season. McBride had games of 100 receiving yards or more. A lot of focus and attention on his offensive ability. But as he was quick to point out, he can and has played on special teams. Plus, he is not afraid to mix it up in the trenches as far as being willing to block. Here's McBride after his first practice. No, I love blocking. I think, uh, you know, that's kind of what really made me, uh, you got, got me on the field early in my career. Um, you know, I wasn't always a, the number one tight end. So for early in my career, I was that blocking guy that had to come in for the other guy. And I had to do all the dirty work. And then, you know, really, I have a thousand yards, but I, I block 70% of the time, most of all. So I love blocking. I think it's fun. It's really just, uh, it's part of the game. And it's just, you know, that's what's so unique about being a tight end is you're able to do both block and then you can go out and catch a couple balls. He was basically 30% of their offense when it came to the passing game. They they tried to run the ball, and he got over 1,000 yards. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's blocking is part of it, and he'll only get better. He'll get stronger. Um, and just he, he, all the guy we got a chance to interview, they're so excited to be here. Once, you, you know, he put the, the jersey on, it was just – and it's great stories across the board. It's nice to see these guys get rewarded. But now the work starts here, and they got to put the work in and, and you know, come together as a team. But I just really like his upside and you know, his demeanor where he's – we asked him, is this how you, you – Darren asked him, hey, because he was, he was jacked up during the press conference. He said – this is who I am. So, you know, bring that to the football field. High energy. We've also heard him described as a three-down tight end, can do it all, catch, run, block, line up in the slot, in the backfield, basically can do it all. You don't have to take him off the field, Kyle. And how does that now affect the defense when you have one tight end or two tight ends? There are some tight ends that you know, well, they're going to block because they can't catch. And there are other tight ends that, well, they're going to catch because they can't block. Here you hope McBride can do both. Yeah, exactly. You know, if he is that type of player, the type of player we expect him to be, um, you know, we see that twice a year in George Kittle. You see what a guy like Mark Andrews does for an offense. When he's on the field, the offense can literally do anything. You can line him up anywhere, and he can be not just be effective, but can be – a game changer, right? I mean, you know, uh, George Kittle, when he blocks, he puts people on their backs. He's he's a tough, willing, physical blocker, but he is such a weapon with the ball in his hands and runs good routes and has soft hands. And and this is the type of player I, you know, I think the Cardinals envision for Trey McBride um, where, um, you know, honestly, it it gives defensive coordinators nightmares because they want to match up personnel um, on defense with what you have on offense. And, and when a player like Trey McBride, who, like you said, can line up in the backfield, he can be on the line of tight end, um, he can be split out. It, it's so tough to get the right package and, and matchup personnel with a tight end that can do anything on the football field. The other offensive weapon the Cardinals added in the draft, running back Keontae Ingram, six feet, 221 pounds out of USC. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Just the work ethic, the character, all those things, checked all the boxes, can play special teams, big physical back, and, and uh, we just felt he, he fit what we do and that role that can be your third, fourth guy that plays special teams and can come in and, and play at a high level on offense as well. You got James Conner, you got Eno Benjamin, you got uh, 
Jonathan Ward, Jalen Samuels, and those outside of Eno Benjamin, uh, those are bigger backs as far as being six feet, 220 plus pounds. So, you know, that might also tell you something as far as how this offense might look to uh, be utilized, especially without DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and, and I would assume 12 personnel and try to run the football and obviously defense, stop the run and force some turnovers. But he looks the part. I mean, very, very fluid. Um, I like the size. He can run between the tackles, outside the tackles. He can catch the ball. Um, you know, I think when you look at a competition, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy that's the second or third back. Jonathan Ward's going to be active just because he plays on teams. And Eno Benjamin, you know, he has a similar skill set to Chase Edmonds. So ideally, you'd like to get, take some of the pressure off of Connor when you get to that fourth quarter and just pound the football like they were able to do to, to kind of you know, end games when they had the ball and they were able to run the football. It's just going to be how quickly can Ingram learn the playbook and then go from the classroom to the football field and actually execute what he's being taught. Ingram, though, very excited to be an Arizona Cardinal, very excited to study under the tutelage of James Conner. I study him a lot, uh, especially coming out of pit, you know, and um, I love to study bigger backs because I kind of label myself that way. But I feel like I got trace of a smaller back. So I have uh, studied him a little bit. Uh, I like his game. I'm ready to come in the room, pick his brain a little bit, you know, and elevate my game. Time called Keontae Ingram a downhill runner, and we didn't see a lot between the tackles for Ingram. He kind of bounced it outside a little bit more, but someone not – afraid of that physicality but again as Kingsbury mentioned earlier Kyle it's going to be you're fourth on that depth chart right now and you got to work your way up but I think Ingram understands that in order to play offense it starts playing on special teams yeah and you know the Cardinals um, you know over the last few years have one of the best special teams unit in the league and a lot of it is these young developmental players come in and trying to earn their spot on the roster um, really do a great job on special teams. You know, um, again, looking back at um, Ingram's pre-draft, the the one I had, um, just as synopsis, it, this could be uh, what is said about James Conner. You know, tough runner, good balance, hard to get on the ground, um, sticks his foot, gets vertical quickly, great in the screen game. And then going back again to the conversations that happened in the draft room, um, you know, one of the things Steve Kime said, he's really good in protection. And that's what keeps young running backs off of the football field is when they're a liability um, in, in pass pro. And the fact that um, he has shown the ability to, you know, pick up blitzes, to be able to help and chip defensive ends, to be a part of the protection in the passing game, it gives him an opportunity to see the field earlier than perhaps some of these other rookie running backs. There are two drills in training camp that everyone kind of focuses on, the one-on-one matchups, offensive line versus defensive line edge rushers. The other one, blitz pickup, especially with young players. Right? Can they handle it coming from college and all of a sudden here's – Ingram and he's looking dead on at Marcus Golden coming at him. What do you do? Right. It's so tough too because you know good rushers will mix it up. Sometimes um, you know running backs trying to trying to match their quickness and a good edge rusher is just going to run a running back over. And typically that's your first move. You know if I if they're sliding away from me and got a running back in my face, I'm going to try to run him over. Um, and so you, you know it's not just a matter of knowing who to get. It's you have to study film and study the rushers and, and how to block them and, and what they're going to try to do. Sometimes you'll be able to cut a guy. Sometimes a guy's almost uncuttable. You know, a guy like Chandler Jones is 
was such a smooth athlete. He never got cut, was never on the ground. So, um, you know, the fact that he has shown, again, the ability to to block some of these edge rushers and pass pro gives him an opportunity to hopefully get on the field his rookie year. And also the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Last year at USC, 22 catches for 156 yards. It was over 10 games, seven starts. We'll see how much we see Ingram on offense, but definitely want to see him make a mark on special teams. Episode 30 of the Dave Pash podcast featuring Cardinals defensive lineman J.J. Watt is available right now to catch up on past episodes. Follow the Dave Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. Speaking of J.J. Watt, we'll hear from number 99, courtesy of the Dave Patch Podcast as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rio, Luke Kyle Vandenbosch, and Mike Drecke as we've hit halftime here on this Wednesday here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Hands it off. No running room off the right side. In fact, a loss up two on the play. Zayvon Collins, the first guy there. And that is a big man coming down from the weak side, shooting the gap. Zayvon Collins again. Throws over the middle, tipped into the air and incomplete. He was going for his tight end. Pass was off the mark. Zayvon Collins had coverage that time, and it's fourth down. Zayvon Collins bats that ball into the air with all of that great length. Use check in motion. It is a quarterback drop the middle. Lance's hit drives the legs forward. Going to be close. The 49ers are short. Zayvon Collins with the tackle. Zayvon Collins, the rookie at 260 playing downhill, came in and laid some lumber, baby. Defensively this season, there may not be any more scrutinized or a player under the spotlights than second-year inside linebacker Zayvon Collins. The Cardinals invested a high first-round draft pick on him, and last season did not see a lot of Zayvon Collins defensively, especially late in the year. We continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rio, Luke Alvandenbosch, and Mike Jarecki talking about Isaiah Simmons plus Zayvon Collins, your two inside linebackers. Remember, no Jordan Hicks. So the baton has been handed to Simmons and Collins. That was kind of the plan last year, but Jordan Hicks had one of his better training camps and was not going to come off the field. Don't have that luxury anymore. It's all Zayvon Collins, and it's a big ask, but hey, you get drafted for a reason, MJ. Year two, it's Zayvon Collins' defense to call. Yeah, and really, this is the first time that with you know, last year was you know wasn't a full off season where you were able to do everything. So, yeah, I mean, you you know, we talk about you know getting a you know pass rush and obviously stopping the run, but. Let's be honest, if you're Andy Reid or Josh McDaniels or even Sean McVay in those first three games, I mean, you're going to look at those linebackers and everything's going to be about their eyes. And i got to think Nick Visual is going to be on the field at some point to help these guys out. Isaiah, maybe they'll cut down on him playing five five different positions, but um, they're going to get they're going to get targeted in, um, in this basically every week. But I'm just saying these coordinators and, and these play callers and these quarterbacks, they're going to attack the middle of the field of the Arizona Cardinals. You always hear, Kyle, that cliche, and it's become cliche, but the jump that players make from year one to year two, rookie to year two, 
year one to year two in the same offensive or defensive system. Here you have Zayman Collins, who's been out working this entire offseason with the defensive coaches, and you hope that he becomes the next success story as far as making that jump in his second year. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I, I particularly think for the position he plays, um, he, you know, it, it's so much mental. Um, you know, both of these linebackers have all the physical tools. They they play physical. They play downhill. They're rangy. They can cover just about any tight end that they have to cover. Um, so they have the physical attributes, but the mental part of it, um, it takes time. I mean, offenses in, in the NFL are way more complicated than offense in college. Um, you know, a lot of them are – um, you know, check with me, and, the, and the, you know, you can break it down to about four or five plays they're going to run throughout a game in, in college. In the NFL, um, you know, there's, there's, it's so much more complicated. And, um, you know, Zayvon Collins having given the opportunity to kind of watch and learn and, and see some action on the field, I really do expect him to, to take a giant leap. And um, honestly, you know, with this defense, they are going to be crucial. You know, uh, again, for, for a large part of last season, and even when this team was, was playing lights out early, you know, one of the weaknesses was the run defense. Well, you've got two physical, um, you know, quick twitch inside linebackers that have the ability to help with that, to stop the run, to make the right reads and step up and fill gaps. And, um, you know, from we, we were all excited, and from the little bit we saw from Zayvon Collins in the preseason last year, he looked apart. I mean, he was shooting gaps, making tackles in the backfield, and then for whatever reason, um, you know, was unable to sustain that and, and, and see, see the field much last year. So, um, you know, hopefully with this extra work, with the opportunity to look at his own film from last year, to learn from Jordan Hayes, um, I really do expect him to make a make take a giant leap this next season. Well, the work needs to be put in, and that's what's happening right now on the Dave Hash Podcast this week. J.J. Watt, who has been in town darn near every single day working out at the facility, asked about what he thinks Simmons and Collins can accomplish this season. Um, I think it's all about time you put in, and I think it's about repetition and just consistency i think that the more time that you're able to commit to the job and that you're able to learn and grow and the more time that you have to learn the playbook and the plays and see as many looks as possible whether it's walkthroughs whether it's practice whether it's off-season program training camp whatever it may be and being able to do those things over and over and over again that's when you really get good i think that uh, having an off-season program is going to help them a lot because we haven't had one a true off-season program for a few years especially since they've been in the league Great article up on azcardinals.com. Darren Urban had a chance to catch up with Zayvon Collins, and that was part of their discussion, MJ, as far as working with Vance Joseph and going over it and taking the time. It's much easier to spend 20 minutes in the offseason. You don't have that time in the regular season to make adjustments on the fly or between weeks one and two. So now is when you can really kind of take a step back if you're Zayvon Collins and really digest what is being asked of you. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I assume he's going to wear the uh, the green sticker. That means he's going to make the calls, and I couldn't agree more with Kyle about if, if this defensive line can occupy uh, double teams, that's where those linebackers come in and they can shoot the gaps instead of making tackles four, five, six yards down the line of scrimmage. And in fairness to Jordan Hicks, that was happening here. They're athletic enough, but it all starts up front. 
Um, but I'm curious to see who's going to be making the calls. You've got to assume it's going to be one of the inside linebackers that has a sticker on the helmet. Colin, 6'4", 260. Simmons, 6'4", 238. You brought up Nick Vigil earlier in this segment, but going back to J.J. Watt, again, this on the Dave Patch podcast, talking about Simmons and Collins. For Simmons, it's going into year three, but learning from their past mistakes. This game comes down to making plays. It comes down to being on the field and just making plays, and I think that uh, you're going to make mistakes. Guys are going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. So they got to go out there and play. And when you do make those mistakes, you got to learn from them. But it's all about repetition and consistency and, and work. It all sounds good at the moment, Kyle, but when the game starts and you're the coaching staff and all of a sudden mistakes are made, you want guys that can get the job done. And if you've got a team that's a veteran team, and expects to win and has lofty aspirations, it's hard to bring along a rookie who's making mistakes, and that might have been why Zayvon Collins. He started five of the first seven, didn't start, only started one other game the rest of the way. You're looking to win ball games, but now is when you can kind of work on those mistakes. No, you're right. Accountability is huge. And again, you know, offensive coordinators are so smart. If there's a player that seems overwhelmed or can't do a certain thing or makes mistakes on certain formations or plays, they're going to take advantage of that. And, you know, both of the last two J.J. Watt quotes, he talked about repetition, right? Uh, especially with guys that are this talented, you want them to just go. The, the more they can go and the less they can think, right? Uh, you know, another cliche is the paralysis by analysis. You don't want you want your Mike linebacker to know what he's doing without thinking about it, and you just want them to go and flow and make plays. And we've seen, you know, even in Isaiah Simmons' rookie year on the tail end of it, they put him out there in certain packages, but he was just allowed to make plays. And he wasn't he was no longer a liability. He was a playmaker, and he was allowed to run around and, and just kind of feel the game. And I kind of feel like both of these guys are the same way. They're in instinctive players and so you know if something is too complicated then it's on the coaches it's on Vance Joseph to um, put them in situations where they can use their physical abilities to make plays and help this team win. Simmons after the bye week his rookie year saw his playing time increase. Collins after the bye week did not see his playing time defensively increase. In fact, three of those last six games didn't see a single defensive snap. And when he was playing defense, it was as an outside linebacker because they needed someone to rush the quarterback. So a huge offseason and a huge season ahead for Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. You want to see those two young inside linebackers in action? Arizona Cardinals season tickets are available now. Visit azcardinals.com season for more information. Of course, the season will begin minus DeAndre Hopkins, a talking point all offseason long. We hear from head coach Cliff Kingsbury on how to deal without DeHop the first third of the regular season. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. back to throw on second and nine in trouble moves to his left being chased by Bosa now throws it deep across the field near side jump ball it's caught by Hopkins at the 10 and tackled at the nine yard line Kyler Murray threw that ball outside the numbers on the far side to the near sideline 520 to go Cardinals lead 10-7 can they put him away can they get a touchdown snap to Kyler he throws a fade left side in the end zone and it is caught for a touchdown by DeHop D-Hop caught it with Josh Norman draped all over him trying to pull the ball away. What a great catch. 
by DeAndre Hopkins. Broke the sickles out on the fade and stabbed the pig out of the air and brought it in. Man, at some point, when you've got dudes who are just better than the other team, that's enough. A team leading eight touchdown catches for DeAndre Hopkins, and he did that in 10 games. Remember, missed seven because of a hamstring injury and a knee injury, the latter of which ultimately sidelined him for the rest of the regular season and postseason. But it is going to be a little while before we see D-Hop on the field again in the regular season. He is going to miss the first six games this year. As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Here are the six games. Chiefs, Raiders, Rams, Panthers, Eagles, and Seahawks. Two division games, three home games, three road games. So you know you're not going to have him, Kyle. So what do you hope to do minus your best offensive weapon outside of Kyler Murray and what he's able to do? Well, hope hope you win all of them, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it, honestly, you've got to manage without him. Um, you know, he is a difference maker. He's a huge part of this offense. So, um, again, you know, the the bright side is is Coach Kingsbury and this offensive staff have time. They have time to um, prepare and plan for what this offense is going to look like without DeAndre Hopkins. Whereas last year they didn't. You know, it was it was changing things up at the last minute um, and probably not making enough adjustments. So they have time to get it figured out. Um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping through those first six, you know, this team has started strong, started strong last year, came out, played well. Um, you know, three and three, four and two, manage without him. And then you get, you know, one of the top two, three receivers, if not the best receiver in the league. You get him back for the stretch run at the end of the season and, and healthy and hungry and ready to show that, um, you know, he's, he's still doing DeAndre Hopkins type things on the football field. Yeah, here we say go more 12 personnel just based on, you know, who you have and then try to run the football. Obviously, you got a couple backs, and, and then Cliff will come out and go four wide. <laughs> Week one with Marquise Brown and everyone. But, they, you know, you've, you've got the time, yeah. plus you do have Marquise Brown, full off season, Zach Ertz, full off season. So those help as well to Kyle's point MJ that you know the time and then the talent as well yeah and listen Cardinals put up over 30 points you know when they were 7-0 and and 10-2 and 400 yards I'm not looking for style points just win at the line of scrimmage and, and if you know if Matt Prater has to make a field goal at the end so be it just win the game though but the one way to shorten the game though is being able to run the football and then utilizing 12 personnel and of course you also have Rondell Moore AJ Green we'll see if who other other receivers step up and they we could see two backs in the in the backfield at the same time depending on how how the game flows so we're not going to know exactly how this team deals without DeAndre Hopkins but it's not going to stop us from asking head coach Cliff Kingsbury about it as the media did last Friday Marquise will help I mean he he's a, a dynamic playmaker and we just have to play better as an offense it's unfortunate that he won't be available, but um, I'm excited when we get him back. We, we've struggled the second half of the season, and, and you know when we get him back, I think that'll be a real shot in the arm for that back half, and I know we'll get his best. It's always looking at the bright side of it when you have something like this. All right, so you without him, 
but you do get him back and you look at maybe as a midseason acquisition. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Cliff Kingsbury to figure things out, a lot of pressure on Kyler Murray to execute what he is being asked to do, but to elevate the other players on the team as well. You're missing your number one option. You've got your best friend Marquise Brown. It's not an equal comparison swap one for one, but Kyler Murray needs to figure out and maybe do a little bit extra those first six weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, it, it's not I'm in trouble. I'm just chucking it up to DeAndre Hopkins, you know. But again, um, when DeAndre Hopkins went out last year, um, you talk about everybody elevating. Uh, this team couldn't find the number one to step in. There was a lot of really good number twos and threes, but nobody was that guy. You know, it, it by default was Zach Ertz. He was the guy Kyler looked to when he was in trouble. Um, but what you did is you traded for a true number one, a guy that has been a number one in an offense for a few years and um, a guy that is a dynamic playmaker. So it's not like the cupboard's empty and you don't have that guy that you can rely on that can stretch the field and, and can make huge plays for you, um, you know, because Hollywood Brown has been that guy for an offense in the NFL. So um, I also find it interesting that, you know, the game he's coming back for um, is the Thursday night game. So you've got – uh, the, the team I feel sorry for is the Saints because you've got two teams that are going to be completely – Thursday night games are so tough. Uh, they're going to be exhausted, and you've got DeAndre Hopkins coming in with fresh legs. You have no idea what the offense is going to look like. Um, trying to prepare for that um, in, in week seven on a short week, that's going to be tough for them. And little to no practice time as well because it's a short week for everyone and a bunch of walkthroughs. That's okay. Leave he, like Fresh legs, he'll be involved in the game plan open things up for the entire offense something to look forward to in week seven something that we will be looking forward to here on the cardinals red sea report otas next week a little offense and defense no contact but some more football activity special thanks to those behind the scenes our senior broadcast manager and producer jim omohundro technical director cody fincher for Kyle and mike drecky i'm greg riolu this is the arizona cardinals radio network You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.